Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yes, it's Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. And what a night last night. Uh-huh. Uh, we hope you had a great International Women's Day. I definitely did. I had this really great event at uh, Fred Siegel, which is a store here in L.A., and it was uh, part of, we like showcased this female NFT collection. We had like 200 people. It was amazing. And Ryan showed up. Ryan showed up to support NFTs. <laughs> Why would I NFTs. not show up? Why are we acting like I wouldn't have showed up? You know, sometimes it's questionable whether you will, but... <laughs> it's true. You know, true. we had a blast. There's true. Yeah, a ton of people there. No, it's just also really funny to see Shira be basically like, um, I don't know, who's a really good known like party event planner, like Martha Stewart. I feel like <laughs> she was Stewart walking around the... I know, she was I walking felt like around I was doing and she was like, oh, hi! Oh I was God. so doing that. Oh my, oh my, it's so nice. I know. Oh my God. I, you know what? Okay, let's get a picture. Let's get a picture. <laughs> literally share all night. Like literally her no, all it's night. it's so funny. I looked back and I was like, I didn't even have like real conversations with anyone <laughs> because I kept on like floating around. And you know, with COVID, because I haven't done something like this in a while, this used to be my old, my old Shira used to do this, right? Host big parties, be hosting a lot of people. Must be nice. But I know it is nice, but I almost forgot about what that was like. And there was a bit of social anxiety around it. Meaning looking back, like I felt like I had a hard time being present and like wrangling everyone. Anyway, it was a blast. You could check out my Twitter at Cheryl Lazar and Instagram to see uh, some of those pictures. But a lot of fun. Uh, But we've got a lot happening on the show today. Don't say gay. Maybe the first domino to fall in a flurry of anti-LGBTQ legislation. Uh, We've got the professor in political science explaining the history behind this and other laws against the community later in the show. We're going to be talking about the company's cutting ties with Russia, why we aren't seeing the same activism here in the States. That conversation comes next hour. Plus, as Don't Say Gay is one signature away from becoming law, how do we support our community in the Sunshine State? And how do we fight back? Equality Florida lays out the game plan in 30 minutes. Let's get into some uh, quick what's trending this hour. A Texas court denied the state's appeal of a restraining order temporarily blocking the investigation of parents who've allowed their transgender daughter to access gender-affirming care. Governor Greg Abbott had ordered the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services to investigate all parents who allow their kids to receive care like this, asserting that this is a form of child abuse. Now, as Disney continues to be under fire for their lack of action around the Don't Say Gay bill in Florida, which got passed in the Senate yesterday, here's Disney CEO Bob Shapek during a shareholder call today. Governor DeSantis uh, committed to me 
that he wanted to make sure that this law could not be weaponized in any way by individuals in the state or groups in the state to uh, in any way unduly harm or target uh, gay, lesbian, non-binary or transgender kids and families. He was very open to this conversation and finding out what aspects are most concerning and working to ensure that that could not happen in the state of Florida with this legislation. Yeah, of course, he's the one to trust, right? My thing is, Bob, why did you leave that conversation mm-hmm. in the shareholder call? Why didn't you have someone where you talked in your statement about all the LGBTQ leaders that work at Disney? Why didn't you have them actually put their concerns for Governor Greg yeah. Abbott? So you can actually gauge because you as a cishet white man is not going to know if, you know, Governor um, DeSantis is actually doing what he's supposed to do. And so the fact that you're just relying it on a a, 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 just a a word, you know, like someone who's proven that he is doing horrible things for the community. It's so uh, invalidating and gaslighting. It won't be weaponized. Uh, Yeah. Let's just we know how that movie ends. Let's get into somewhat trending this hour, though, right now. No, what's trending? <laughs> that was what's trending this hour. What's going on? Right okay, now? really crazy story as we wrap this um, up. Black Panther director Ryan Coogler was handcuffed in Atlanta earlier what? this year after a Bank of America teller mistook him for a robber. <laughs> it's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So... The filmmaker was attempting to make a discreet withdrawal from his account on January 7th, a police report obtained by Page Six Reveals. Well, Ryan Coogler was wearing a green hoodie, black hat, his dark uh, dark sunglasses, and a white face mask protecting him from COVID-19 when he walked into the Atlanta branch. He handed the teller, it described in the report as a pregnant black woman, uh, a slip with a handwritten note on the back which led to her be- to believe that Coogler was trying to stage a robbery. The release report further states that after being handed the note and receiving a quote, an alert notification from Coogler's account, uh, the teller informed her manager and they called 911. Here's what the note said, because I know you're all wondering. The note said, I would like to withdraw $12,000 cash from my checking account. Please do the money count somewhere else. I'd like to be discreet. Now, of course, he would like to be discreet because that's a lot of money, I would assume. But the reporting officer stated in the police report that the incident was, quote, a mistake by Bank of America and that Mr. Coogler was never in the wrong, noting that the filmmaker was immediately taken out of handcuffs. Well, what Ryan had to say, he said this, the situation should have never happened. However, Bank of America worked with me and addressed it to my certification and we have moved on. Insane wow. story. I mean, Drama. insane, right? That's your T report. We got more coming up next hour. What's coming up for the rest of the show? Well, could gas gas prices be what topples Democrats in November? And will their support of the Ukraine help mitigate it? Washington Post joins us for that next. President Biden and congressional Democrats came together on Tuesday behind a ban on Russian oil and natural gas imports. So with cost of goods and gas prices now climbing, how will this impact the midterms. Steven Zajic joins us right now, staff writer at The Washington Post. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Now, 71% of Americans say they support banning Russian oil, even if it means higher gas prices. And that's according to a Quinnipiac University survey released Monday. And that included majorities of Democrats, Republicans and independents. So how will this impact Biden's support right now? 
Yeah, it's interesting. Right now, there is a pretty strong uh, bipartisan support, I think, on the part of both elected officials and the public uh, to uh, to really uh, try to um, pressure Russia and uh, and and get them to stop the invasion of Ukraine. And obviously, uh, hitting hitting uh, Putin in the pocketbook is exactly uh, the way to do that. Now, that could start to wane uh, as as the year wears on and as we get closer to the midterms. Of course, there's plenty of plenty of time until then, which means there's plenty of time. To your point, for voters to, to do an about face. There's also plenty of time uh, for the energy markets to uh, to pivot. So uh, a lot of time between now and then. But certainly right now, there's there's a fair amount of grassroots support, as you say. Yeah. And in all honesty, I don't even I don't think most Americans even care about the midterms coming up because they are distracted in the ways that these gas prices are hitting their wallets. This is how is this really, you know, impacting everyone at the pumps right now? Because it, it does feel like we're immediately feeling the repercussions of this entire thing. Yeah. And I think that's where I think you're absolutely right. I think in terms of, you know, regarding the midterms, there's not really a lot of thought about that. It's going to be something that Republicans, some Republicans may use down the road. But you're right. I think that's that's what's going to happen at the pump. The truth of the matter is that it's already been happening. You know, that AAA reported the average price this past weekend, even before the ban. And remember, the ban hasn't even taken effect yet. Uh, there's a 45 day grace period. So the, the this weekend prices went up to four dollars a gallon on average across the country, uh, up from about three sixty last week. And I think as of yesterday, I looked. It was four dollars seventeen. So it could still go up, and 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 clearly this ban is is going to have an effect. It's not a huge effect. We we import about eight percent of our oil. Um, we don't import any natural gas, and we're going to make that up in some other ways. But the reality is, supply overall uh, is is at a premium. Prices are going up, one hundred thirty bucks a barrel. So. American consumers are going to are going to be paying more for the foreseeable future. It seems like what they're not dis- uh, agreeing on is whether Putin is evil. It seems like Democrats and Republicans haven't come together on that. What do you mean by whether Putin is evil? No, meaning that uh, it seems like all, a lot of them. There's bipartisanship. Yeah. That's what around. She uh, oh, yeah. 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 I think there's, a you know, the, the sort of, you know, you view what's happening in, in Ukraine and we're getting the images beamed to us in ways that we've never had in uh, I mean, even, you know, even 15, 10, 15 years ago, uh, we, we just did not have this level of uh, wired connectedness. And we're seeing these images every day and every night. And I think that is uh, making both lawmakers and their constituents, uh, you know, react very strongly to what's happening in Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it is really interesting. And I, I, I guess I wonder from a political side, should we kind of end the the politically risky conversation when we are seeing bipartisanship on both sides, right? Like, it doesn't really seem like it's benefiting us to talk about the political risk when, like, no one's really thinking about that. They're just trying to think about pushing through this and, you know, getting over this unfortunate hump. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think you're absolutely right. And the other way of saying that is we're actually united uh, politically, internally, at least on this issue, at least for a minute. Now, they're already going to be uh, there. There's some cracks that started to show already. And I'm sure there will be more in terms of uh, how we handle this. And, and um, uh, you know, perhaps the, the oil ban will will turn into that. But but for right now, you're right. I mean, I think people are just kind of uniting or rallying around this cause and and, you know, I think we're all hoping that democracy prevails. And that's that's the focus right now. But what do you think? Uh, Republicans seem like they could be not just blaming Putin for this um, increase in gas prices, but Biden and how he's limited other things um, like the Dakota pipeline. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that that all, all the energy stuff is 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 often a hobby horse for Republicans. 
uh, to really ride because uh, the reality is they're more pro-drilling uh, and the Democrats are not. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, even this bill, I mean, you looked at uh, the, the ban was, you know, came partly from uh, Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, which is a big drilling state. So there's no doubt that that's kind of running below the surface here is the split between Republicans and Democrats over how much we should be uh, we should be drilling. I should point out that the Democrats and Biden in particular are really trying to push uh, the, the green and the yeah. clean tech aspect of this. And that that came up yesterday, too. Right. I mean, it's not it's not like a binary all or nothing deal where right. it's like, well, if we're not buying it from Russia, we have to drill. Uh, there are other ways to get oil and there are other ways to get energy that that could be cleaner. Yeah, Definitely. And I, I just wonder, I guess, if you can put in perspective as we wrap up here, how reliant were we on like Russian oil? Because I feel like that's not something that everyone knows, right? Like we know that this, that, that, that ban, which is not in effect yet, but like how reliant are we and are we, is our own kind of oil production going to be able to rebound with, you know, everything that's happening right now? Yeah, well, there's sort of good news and bad news on that before, before we get out of here. The good news is, uh, well, the ba- I'll leave the bad news first. The bad news is it, not that much so that it's not really going to hurt Putin that much because a lot of his oil is sold elsewhere, uh, even just to Europe, but it's not really sold to us. The good news for us is that we will be able to make up uh, the uh, the shortfall. I mean, again, we're talking about single-digit percentages, whether we get it from, you know, let's talk about Venezuela yeah. or other sources. Obviously, we get a lot from Saudi Arabia, so or we drill more. But, yeah, we're, we're not going to have a huge problem making up that shortfall, but at the same time, it's not necessarily going to hit him as hard as maybe some people think. And what's interesting is that has also other repercussions because of how Republicans view our relationship with those countries as well. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, it's, it, there's a ripple effect throughout these other economies. And yeah. we've had sanctions in place in Venezuela for a couple of years because of everything that happened there with their elections in 2019. Mm-hmm. And now there's talk about lifting that that sanction. We'll yeah. see if it happens. But absolutely ripple effect. It's complicated. Steven Zajic, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Steven is a staff writer at The Washington Post. What's coming up next, Ryan? All right, well, the Don't Say Gay bill is one signature away from becoming law. So how do we support our community in the Sunshine State? Because it seems a little cloudy. Mm-hmm. And how do we fight back? More coming up next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 
15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so let's get into this because there's so much happening right now. The Florida Senate passed the controversial so-called Don't Say Gay bill today, sending the Republican-backed legislation banning LGBTQ instruction in primary schools to Governor Ron DeSantis' desk. Well, we need all of the updates. We need to break this down. What does this truly mean? What state and what point are we at right now? Brandon Wolf, who is the press secretary at Equality Florida, is joining us. Thank you so much for joining. Let's go there. Oh, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, I mean, I wish it was on a better note, um, but, you know, I'm happy that you're here because we know Equality Florida is really working hard to combat this. But can you give us, before we dive into that, give us the latest of what we're seeing. What does it mean now that this has passed and it's now on Ron DeSantis' desk? Yeah, it's been a really tough battle, and I want to start by just acknowledging and appreciating everyone who stepped up to have their voice heard Um, We sent over 600,000 emails into the Capitol over the last six to eight weeks. We brought thousands of people out across the state to protest to the Capitol to have their voices heard. Um, Hundreds of people sat for six, seven, eight hours while the Senate debated to ensure that they were there as the process was happening, chanting, singing, being with one another. Um, It's been a really hard eight weeks, and now we're sort of in this process where it's in the hands of Governor Ron DeSantis, who has, you know, been willing to attack LGBTQ people in the past, so long as it serves his political ambition. Um, Where we're at in terms of a a technical question of the process, the bill has passed through the legislature, which means it's out of their hands entirely. Um, It's not been sent to the governor, as far as I know, as of today. Once it gets to him, he has uh, several days to sign it. Even if he chooses not to, it becomes law. The only way to stop it from the governor's mansion would be if he vetoed the bill. And we know where he stands, of course. Now, uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but that DeSantis had a conversation with the Disney CEO and the Disney CEO told shareholders today on a call that DeSantis said it, it wouldn't be used to weaponize the LGBTQ community. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's it's laughable to suggest that Ron DeSantis cares whether or not the bill is used Um, as a weapon against LGBTQ people. And I say it's laughable because his comms team three days ago was weaponizing their Twitter feeds to call anyone who opposes the bill pedophiles. Um, And by the way, this is a governor who has done 
explicitly anti-LGBTQ things in the past, like signing last year's trans youth sports ban in Florida, or, uh, you know, the, later that summer when he vetoed uh, all the funding for mental health services for Pulse nightclub shooting survivors just days before the five-year anniversary. So I don't particularly think this is a governor who cares whether or not these bills uh, will negatively impact LGBTQ people. I think what he cares most about is helping to build his resume for a presidential run in 2024. Oh, most definitely. And it's it's so um, disheartening to see all of this playing out um, because, you know, the impact of this and especially what aligns in this bill, um, it's very, it feels like it, there's so many like holes in it where it could really have a large impact on so many students, not just in the K through three, you know, curriculum. Can you talk about that impact that this could possibly have? Yeah, I'm really glad you pointed out that second part. I'm going to start there. Um, you'll hear supporters of the bill say, well, it's just about K through three education. It's just a bill about sex education for K through three grades. That's actually not true. The bill is not a sex education bill. Sex education is already heavily regulated and it's opt out in the state of Florida. It's actually not mandatory. Um, and on top of that, the bill isn't just K through three. It's actually K through three or in a way that's not developmentally appropriate. Mm. Who decides what's developmentally appropriate is the Florida Department of Education, the same department that in December removed an entire website from, uh, from its site because it had, anti, it had anti-bullying resources for LGBTQ kids. So it's important to point that out. And then, you know, more broadly, the language of the bill is vague on purpose. It is designed to chill speech and censor speech about LGBTQ people in schools across Florida. We know that school districts are already strapped for cash. They can't afford to be stuck in litigation with dozens of parents who have issues with the things that teachers are saying in classrooms. And so in order to combat that, they will likely have to preemptively be less inclusive. They'll have to peel rainbow safe space stickers off of windows. Uh, They'll ask teachers to not talk about LGBTQ issues or history or people for fear that that would invoke a lawsuit. And ultimately, that's only going to further stigmatize our community and leave LGBTQ young people who are so vulnerable in America uh, feeling isolated. Yeah. Wow. So uh, we have 30 more seconds, but for everyone who feels helpless around this, um, what, is, what is your advice? What can people do right now? Well, the first thing is everyone can check us out on social media. We're at Equality FL everywhere. You can check us out at EQFL.org. And the second thing is we don't give up. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why we don't give up, because LGBTQ young people are worth fighting for. Their stories are worth telling. They are loved, valued, appreciated, perfect, exactly as they are. And it's our responsibility right now to continue to show up, to get up, dust, dust ourselves off, and to wade back into battle for them because they are worth it 100% of the time. Woo, I couldn't yeah. have said it better. Thank you so much, Brandon Wolf, the press secretary at Equality Florida. Thank you so much for your work and the continued work that Equality mm-hmm. Florida is going to continue to do. Thank you all. All right, what's coming up next? Well, we're uh, shifting gears here. We know group texts can be stressful, and I'm looking at you, Ryan, who <laughs> hates group texts. So what to do about it? That's next. Are more and more people putting you on group chats? Ah! Are they stressing you out? Ah! 
We're here to help. You sound like those infomercials. <laughs> right? So this is happening more and more, whether it be, you know, Twitter, WhatsApp, if you're on Telegram, regular text, you're put on a group chat. And this could be actually really cool. You know, if you meet a group of people, maybe you went on a trip with a group or you have a group of friends from back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have some people you're doing some passion projects with, right? Mm-hmm. Or work people. Uh, but <laughs> but at what point does it stress you out? All of it. When the initial person sends the initial e- <laughs> uh, uh, text message with seventy different people in there, I don't 70? care. I don't care if it's, it's if it's four or if it's like you know multiple ones or like you know like ten to fifteen people. But I, I guess can I ask you this? Mm-hmm. What how what would you consider a group like? A group text is it because I feel like there's some things that go with that right a group text has to be not is it just a one-off or is it like a thread where you have like your you have like four or five friends in it and y'all use it all the time to chat with each other yeah I mean a one-off leads to typically a consistent thing unless it's just unless it's just like oh a quick thing to put us all on text and then you never talk again yeah but no that should be how it is (laughs) so what was the point of Changing numbers. I don't know. <laughs> to say you take met. up space in my con- <laughs> right. uh, contact, just in case if you have a party, yeah. you've got to invite people. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I feel like I don't get as anxious as you do. Like I tend to, uh, you. Know, I don't necessarily like though some of them. I'm on a group um, tech or text or chat on Twitter. And it is out of control. Like, I cannot keep up. And I've just kind of accepted that. But it's hard and frustrating because sometimes things are said and then you might talk to someone and they might reference something in the text and you're like, oh, I don't even know what you're talking about because I can't keep up with this. Well, that so that's kind of like, sometimes that's basically, well, for the most part, that is me. But I always go back. See, I do my due diligence and I'll go back and I'll I'm just like, like no. see what I missed out on. Unless it was a work thing. If it's like a social thing. No, or of course, if that, it's, that yeah. matters just as much. No. And here's the thing, uh-huh. like, to get rid of the stress of it all, you just immediately once it once this someone sets it up or it's happening, you literally just mute it. I mute every group chat that I'm in, <gasps> and I think that is so important but, to do uh-huh. because you don't want to get so overwhelmed with the notification. Yeah, you don't want to get overwhelmed with the the pingings and the the, the emoji <laughs> sending. Like no, ain't no, no, ain't no conversation that good to be like sending seventy thousand texts all at once into one thread. Yeah, I don't like it. here's the thing. First rule of a group text turn off notifications yeah. to give you some peace of mind and to save your life yeah, because you'll go them. crazy even the work ones but what's the difference between mute and turning off notifications so i mute the conversation so i'll i won't know that there is a there there's a notification like there, there's people talking until i go and actually manually but that's check. just like turning but on, off notifications. i mean for turning off your notifications on like your apps like twitter or your instagram or whatsapp you literally can just turn those off like like through your or settings. you could pin certain things at any rate. No, you just say, when you turn off your app, when you turn off your notifications mm-hmm. on the apps, you have to actually go and check to see, oh, what do I have? On like if you're muting a conversation, if you're in your text messages most of the time anyway, you'll see like the little bubbles kind of pop up that, oh, there's a conversation oh. going or there's a blue yeah. dot next to it that you'll see like, oh, there's unread text messages. For me, that's that's the best thing here because I can't um I just I can't see myself 
succeeding in group chats. I just don't like them. They're overwhelming. They are overwhelming. But that said, it's part of our life right now. No, it's not. So you better create just some rules and boundaries and mindfulness on how how to deal with it. It's not a part of our lives. We don't have to make it a part of our lives. I mean, I just think you're going to be part of a group chat at a certain point. How many many group chats are you part of? Uh, A bunch on WhatsApp. Uh, I guess it's our group on on text. A few on on my text. A few on on Twitter. I'm right now. I'm counting that I'm I'm a part of three active ones. Listen, I think the whole thing, and then there's other ones that I haven't really tapped into in months. So there's like you know, what stops the anxiety is the acceptance that you will never fully keep up. Once you accept that, your life will be easier. What a way to end this on a depressing note. Uh, yes, we're back. More music coming up right here on Channel Q. But right now, we've got more show. We're going to talk about the companies that are pulling out of Russia. But why aren't some of those companies taking a stand against some of the issues, including for the LGBTQ community, happening right here in this country? We're going to get into that um, in 15 minutes. Oh, and uh, of course, uh, soon, find out how you're going to win tickets to Lady Gaga's yes. big uh, Chromatica ball at Dodger Stadium. Honey, it's coming up in a second in the team report. Get ready for it. Oh, my God. I love that. Right now, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. Uh, President Biden signed an executive order today to get the federal government to create a strategy for digital assets like cryptocurrencies that promotes innovation in the industry in order to minimize risks to Americans in the global financial system. The order directs the Federal Reserve to research and potentially develop its own digital dollar, which would be similar to cryptocurrencies. Also, uh, the directive would develop guidelines for Americans trading and using cryptocurrency that aims to help them avoid fraud or market volatility. Treasury will also do uh, further research on the potential role of digital assets and blockchain in future payment systems. So that's a a pretty big deal and could change the game for cryptocurrencies. Now, Trident Gum has found itself in a sticky situation. After after, uh, firing off a series of tweets joking about the gender pronouns of its products. They tweeted, he, they of the day, spearmint trident gum. And uh, people quickly responded, OMG, yes, my identity is a funny joke. Thank you, trident gum. Others said, uh, what's it like only using pronouns to boost your product when you don't actually care? (laughs) So they got a lot of, uh, you know, negative uh, backlash for this. I bet they did. I bet they did. Yes. um, And... Yeah, Mondelez International has made political contributions to anti-LGBTQ representative also Kevin Brady, and this came up after that tweet, too. So, again, put your money where your mouth is. Now, let's talk about J.K. Rowling. If you... Please, I don't know. Do we but, have you know, to? It's making news. Harry right. Potter author J.K. Rowling's latest attack on the trans community is on a reform bill being put forward by Nicola Sturgeon, the first minister of Scotland. It would simplify the process for trans people to legally change their gender by way of obtaining a gender recognition or recognition certificate. This certificate is what's required for them to receive a new birth certificate reflecting their correct gender. And also, just to be clear, this is a process that already exists in the country. The reform simply shortens the process. So she tweeted this because... She needed to include herself in this whole thing. She said the law at at Nicola Sturgeon is trying to pass in Scotland will harm the most vulnerable women in society, those seeking help after male violence, rape, and incarcerated incarcerated women. Statistics show that imprisoned women are already far more likely to have been previously abused. 
So again, bringing in women, the turf perspective into this. Yeah, I don't know why she's so threatened. It's like, girl, no one is coming for your womanhood. Like, leave other people alone. Leave other women yeah, alone. Just stop it. You freak. Just stop. Just like awful. She's like the worst. You know, a lot of that. I mean, there are tons of awful British people. But I don't know. She really is ranking at the top. And, and it feels like she's beating Pierce Morgan. She could and be. And that's pretty bad. Hand in hand. That's like him. pretty bad when you're like top two with Pierce Right? Morgan. All right. Well, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, my God. Well, you remember when we talked about Sam Elliott uh, and his thoughts about uh, the power of the dog and the whole Western and the homosexuality of it all? Remember we had that discussion? Yes, she mm-hmm. does. Okay, I'm not going to ask. Yes, not, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> I'm not going to give her time to answer. No, no, I <laughs> well, Benedict Cumberbatch, who was the lead in Power mm-hmm. of the Dog, is firing back oh. over Sam Elliott's comments. Now, Sam Elliott was on, um, if you've missed it on our show, he was on a podcast where he basically, you know, talked about uh, basically how it was unfortunate how this this movie really went into this like homophobic, like he went to like a homophobic rant against Power of the Dog. Like, let me just put it Oh, like the there. representation in the movie, basically, yeah. Yes. I remember that. Yes, and he called the film a piece of blank and said the characters look like more, uh, looked more like Chippendale dancers than cowboys. Well, honey, Benedict, uh, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is finally kind of speaking out over it. He's not saying, you know, he's not speaking directly to Sam Elliott, but let me just let you know, his thoughts are pointed. Here is what he had to say. Trying very hard not to say anything about a very odd reaction that happened the other day on a radio podcast over here, without meaning to sort of stir over the ashes of that. It's, um, but someone really took offence to. Um, I haven't heard it, so it's unfair really for me to comment in detail on it. But really took offence to the West being portrayed in this way, and beyond that reaction, that sort of denial that anybody could have any other than a, a heteronormative existence um, because of what they do for a living or where they're born. There's also a massive intolerance within the world at large towards homosexuality still, towards uh, an acceptance of the other, of any kind of difference. Mm, Benedict Cumberbatch. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, Benedict... Benedict's me. He can Doctor Strange me after he's done (laughs) with you. Uh, now, that is your tea report on that, but let's get straight to the Lady Gaga of it all. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Because uh, Channel Q has your tickets in to Lady Gaga's Chromatica Ball. You're wondering when it's happening? Well, it's happening at the LA's Dodger Stadium September 10th on a Saturday. Yeah. One of her only 15 stadium shows this summer. Granted, it's also the last stop on this mini tour that she's doing. Tickets go on sale March 14th at Ticketmaster, but guess what? Why wait when we've got your chance to win your way in. Channel Q is giving away five pairs and one of them is yours. Head over to WeAreChannelQ.com and enter for your chance to win. Do not miss your chance to witness the one and only Lady Gaga's iconic Chromatica Ball at LA's Dodger Stadium Saturday, September 10th. Come on, it's going to be such a wonderful time. And uh, that's your tea report. I'm done spilling. Amazing. Well, coming up next, the companies who are pulling out of Russia, but why aren't they taking a stand for LGBTQ issues right here in this country? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. That's next. Now, many companies in the U.S. and elsewhere are severing ties to Russia over their invasion of the Ukraine, with Ikea, Nike, and H&M temporarily closing their Russian stores, as well as PepsiCo and Coca-Cola stopping sales there. So what does this mean? And is it right to do something like this when there's actually citizens who didn't decide in this war, even though Putin, you know, what we all think of Putin? Yeah. Uh, Douglas Schuler joins us right now, Associate Professor of Business and Public Policy at Rice University. Thanks for being here. Yeah, great to, great to be with you. Yeah, has this type of corporate socio-political activism happened in the past like we are seeing here? Yeah, we've seen it. I mean, I, I mean, not like Russia. Like Russia is like full 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 blown, but we we've seen it on, you know, some issues, you know, in my uh my home state in in Texas, we've seen a, a number of uh CEOs speak out about uh, some of the election uh, restriction bills, and we we saw Salesforce after the abortion law in Texas uh, offer to uh, pay for its employees to relocate from Texas if that's what they wanted. But uh, I think seeing you know 300 odd companies and do it this fast, we've never seen anything like this. What's happening right now in in Russia? Yeah, I, well, it's it's quite interesting because I mean, there's a lot of times where we've seen a lot of kind of uh, conflict happen throughout the world and even here in our own country. But it it always feels like, especially if we're talking about what's going on right now in the United States with the "Don't Say Gay" bill happening in Florida and the conversation around Disney. It seems like there. It takes a little bit extra time for corporations to really want to pull the plug or actually activate in a way that feels like a supportive of, of community or whatever is going on. Why are we seeing it happen so quickly in this instance versus is happening here in our own country? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's it's a great question. It's a great observation. I mean, I, I think, you know, if, if, if I think about Russia and, you know, I, I think it's maybe less so. I'm not, I'm not a super old guy, but uh, <laughs> I'm not a super young person. You know, my, my, but my sense is the older generation and maybe even I when I was a kid, you know, we kind of grew up, uh, you know, Russia was the enemy, you know, like the 80 Olympics and the hockey and all this kind of stuff and Rocky and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, there's been a big coalescing around Russia and even here in Germany where there's a lot of ties. Uh, I'm, I'm in Germany, by the way, to your audience. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, where there's a lot of ties of business to, to, to Russia, you know, there, there's a lot of kind of animosity toward Russia and suspicion toward Russia and suspicion toward Putin. So there's, you know, there's great unity. I mean, we see right now it's bipartisan in, in U.S. Congress. We almost never see that on anything, right? Yeah. And, um, 
but you know, on on you know, like on Florida, on some of these, on, on some of these uh, kind of anti, you know, some of these anti-gay, anti-trans legislation we see in the U.S. You know, we see a lot more, you know, split. Uh, you know, it could be partisan, it could be ideological, and I think companies. I mean, companies just don't want to be out there. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what I think. There's a few, right? You know, they might be on the coast. You know, they might be with you guys in L.A. They might be in New York. Uh, maybe there's a couple in Houston. I don't really know. But, uh, you know, by and large, on these controversial issues, companies don't want to be out there. But, so I think right now in Russia, it's not that controversial. And I think that's why we see the movement. And that's why. And, and, and but on these other issues, you know, whether it be voting rights or BOM or mm-hmm or gay issues or trans issues in, in the state. There's just so much more ambiguity, you know, kind of across the populace and even across states, right? California is probably different from Texas or Oklahoma on some of these things. I think these companies that like have, have you know, stores and all these different places, they just want it to go away. They don't want to be out there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, McDonald's was the last one to really make a move. Uh, and it seemed to be because people were starting to post hashtag boycott McDonald's. They've had a store there no, since uh, no, 1990. Absolutely. Look, look you know, I, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't think we, we think the uh, corporations are going to be the great, you know, leaders of civil rights. And right. I think McDonald's was a great example, you know, like, you know, and, and again, it, I think it's hard for these companies too. We, we don't want to belittle them. I mean, they have a lot of employees in Russia. They have customers in Russia. Uh, you know, they're probably regular people like we are who, who'd like to go to the shop or like to get a paycheck. Um, so, so it's not an easy decision, but I think basically at, at the end, yeah, it was just less painful for McDonald's to try to wind down its operations. However, it's going to do it. It's probably very difficult for yeah. many of these companies to do it than to like keep operating. Definitely. Well, that was Douglas Schuler, Associate Professor of Business and Public Policy at Rice University, calling us from Germany. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Take care. You too. Well, it makes sense considering some of these companies are uh, comparing Putin to Adolf, Adolf Hitler. So, of course, you'd want to pull out of a country like that. It's like that. there's more of a risk if you stay in there than if you don't. Definitely. So, yeah. So what's coming up next, Ryan? Well, we're actually highlighting some a really amazing uh, person in the NFT space, uh, someone who is queer, mm-hmm. someone who is a woman, who is absolutely slaying it. Please stick around because you won't want to miss this conversation. Now, are you okay with living now without a mask and being indoors, including at work? For some people, it can bring them anxiety. We all know the CDC has uh, said that half of the U.S. population lives in an area now considered to be low or medium risk for COVID, and residents can go indoors without a mask. Mm -hmm. So with that said, what do you do, again, if you're that one person at work that's like, no, I still want to wear a mask? Well, here's the thing. I feel like here... We have now been officially told that we don't, obviously, because the mandate, if you're vaccinated and you're taken care of, you don't have to wear your mask inside of the building or inside of our office. And 
Um, I feel like I have most definitely taken advantage of that. I think even if I'm going to get some water, if I'm going to the bathroom, like just having to put on my mask and put it off, I have kind of really stopped doing that. Also, there's not a lot of people still in the office. Yeah. It's just us, really. Yep. And so there feels a little bit more freedom. But like I was at the bank earlier and um, there were people, it was like split. So I was someone with, uh, there was like three or four of us with a mask on, and then there was a couple of them without their mask on, mm-hmm. and it felt like we were in like West Side Story as <laughs> a dual situation. Like, oh why, why are you here? You're not supposed to be here. But it's just, it feels so weird still, um, because you just don't know what to do. And it's like, mm-hmm. are we always going to feel that way? Yeah, well, we got so used to doing something, and it just changed our lives. And it is strange to, um, and I, I think about this, so much now where when I go places and no one's wearing masks anymore, I'm like, wow. Again, and I've said this on the show, how quickly it started and how quickly it ended, right? And just how weird it is that we got so used to not seeing each other's faces and now it feels like, I, I feel like I could say it, we're back to life, right? <laughs> and And that is strange. That said, when I see someone wearing a mask now, yeah, it, de- it definitely makes me feel like, should I be wearing a mask? <laughs> Right. But then I also, I I respect if someone wants to do that, that's their choice. Yeah, why not? I think think there's going to be a lot of people who aren't, uh, who are going to continue to wear their mask uh, despite whatever mandates are in their state. I feel like that's just the safest thing. And and if if you're being honest, there were some, there has been probably some places, like if you live in New York City on a subway or if you're on a plane, like there are some places that we probably should have been wearing masks all the time. Yeah, I I feel like there are places like that where uh, we're in small environments and with a lot of people where I think I would put on a mask still. Yeah, right. Right, when, and there's no air moving through. I mean, on a plane there is, but still, you're that close quarters. Like, germs are spread very quickly. Well, it's crazy because... Um I, when I went to go see Casey Musgraves mm-hmm. at the Crypto.com Arena, right? Mm-hmm. Which still feels so weird to say. Um, we had floor seats, and then we also had our like really cool Odyssey yeah. box. So we decided to go down on the floor just to see her come on stage, Casey come on stage to have the moment. When we were so nervous, the person I was with, it was jam-packed, crowded. There was no space. Everyone didn't have like their uh, mask on. Yeah. It was just drunk. It's like a bit People too much. Spitting no, and singing. No, we, we got so uncomfortable. We were like, we'll just watch it from the top. We can't do yeah. this close to everyone. So I think there are going to be those moments where you're still going to get the heebie-jeebies with everything still going on. And I think that's granted. I think that's fine. I don't I don't know if we'll ever get out of that headspace. This, this was well, a traumatizing experience. Listen, I was at a conference a few weekends ago where literally me and this other woman were the only ones out of a lot of people we knew at the conference that didn't get COVID. So this is still going around, right? Of course, we're hearing that it's, you know, it's not as bad the symptoms. That said, you know, I got COVID towards the end of last year. I would have gotten COVID this time around if I hadn't had won the booster and hadn't gotten COVID. Mm -hmm. Like I was, uh, antibodies were... Uh, like superhero and I was still freaking out like I was that person last night when I oh, yeah. when she pointed her out I was like wait I pointed so the person that, that had it that, oh, at oh there were people that had it there were people yeah at Dem- at mm-hmm. the, had, yep. you know, had it at another yep. event weeks ago totally and I was like well hold on now are they okay now like, how far along was that ago so I still feel like we're still gonna have those worries and those moments yeah. but it, it's gonna happen the, I don't think the anxiety is going really anywhere just surround yourself with people who um, maybe don't, you know, chastise you for wearing your mask. I think that's going to help control it. Yeah, do you. 
do yeah. you? And if someone says something, then F them. Screw them. Next up, a GOP senator is saying that being LGBTQ plus is not permanent. Okay, the ridiculous audio next. We are back right now and more show here for you. More music, though, coming up right here on Channel Q as well. Coming up, Don't Say Gay may be the first domino to fall in a slew of anti-LGBTQ legislation. But if it feels like old is new again, you're right. We've got a professor in political science explaining the history behind all of this later in the show. And also, we've got some tea with Ryan involving Amanda Bynes. She's coming out and around her conservatorship. What she has to say in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. As the Florida Senate debated the Don't Say Gay bill this week and ultimately pushed it through, a comment from Florida State Senator Ileana Garcia, a Republican, has been shared on social media, and it is just the worst. Gay is not a permanent thing. LGBT is not a permanent thing. Just, I can't. She shared this uh, on the floor, adding that she was very close friends with a transgender person, as well as others in the LGBTQ community. And so she thought she, whatever, I don't even care. I don't even want to explain what she thought. I don't care. She's just stupid. Mm -hmm. Scammers are impersonating law enforcement and government officials in an effort to extort money and personal information. The FBI is warning this, and the scammers will spoof authentic numbers and credentials of well-known government and law enforcement agencies. They announced that earlier this week. The FBI urges consumers to protect themselves, saying that, quote, officials will never contact members of the public or medical practitioners by telephone to demand any form of payment or to request personal or sensitive information. So scary. I mean, folks will figure out ways to be horrible people in so many ways, unfortunately. And Russia bombed a maternity and children's hospital in southern Ukraine. That was reported today. An attack described by the country's president as an atrocity. The attack came despite Russia agreeing to a 12-hour pause in hostilities to allow refugees to evacuate a number of towns and cities. Mariupol City Council posted a video of the devastated hospital in the city and accused Russian forces of dropping several bombs on it from the air. Did you see those uh, uh, photos that were circulating from the French president and basically he was like on the phone it was like in the moment of him on the phone with president of uh, Putin mm-hmm. and um, basically it was like the pre- the French president was just like just exhausted from the conversation and his head was like held down and it was just like so much because he was he was talking to Putin I guess Putin was just not listening or whatever was going on in that conversation but if you haven't seen those I mean they've gone viral and it's just like interesting because it was like wait is the president the French president like posing <laughs> or is it like actually like a real like moment candid moment of like this conversation and it, it's really you know speaks to the craziness of speaking to Putin yeah. in this moment you know? I just can't imagine what those conversations are like and just everyone begging him to, stop. to step down yeah, yeah. Uh, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Well, all right. Let's talk about Amanda Bynes because she is speaking out ahead of her hearing to end her conservatorship. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So, yeah, we you know we haven't heard much exactly from her, but here's what she had to say on her Instagram, basically, you know, responding to all of the support that she's been getting. What's up, Instagram? Amanda Bynes here. My court date is coming up in two weeks. I want to thank you all so much for your love and support. Peace out. 
That's that. And that's literally <laughs> it. She didn't write a caption for the uh, video post, but tagged several media outlets. The account she used is different than one she's used in the past. Um, but apparently this is her new account. It was confirmed with her attorney. Late last month, Amanda's attorney filed paperwork at the Viterra uh, County uh, Superior, uh, Superior Court to end the conservatorship she's been under for nearly nine years. And a hearing is set for later this month, um, March 22nd. Now, Amanda's mother, Lynn, who has been her conservator since 2013, supports its ending. Uh, through her attorney, she said last month that she is, quote, is so proud of Amanda for all the hard work and progress she has made. Mm. Lynn is excited about the next chapter in Amanda's life and being there for Amanda as her mother. So this is way different. The parents are, you know, Amanda's mom is actually very supportive here. So that's really good to hear, right? Yeah, I hope she gets out of this. I mean, it seems like she's come a long way and she just looks so different right now. Of course. I mean, so much has changed. I wouldn't expect her to look like the, you know, the Amanda that we all know. But maybe, you know, she'll be ready at her time to come back into the spotlight in this way. But I think the best thing is to end the conservatorship, as we're seeing. But that is your tea report. Um, Real quick, though, let me tell you about uh, Lady Gaga. You have your chance to win two tickets to see her uh, September what is it? September 10th at the LA's Dodger Stadium for the Chromatica Ball. Head over to WeirdChannelQ.com to enter to win. Do not miss your chance to witness Lady Gaga's iconic Chromatica Ball at LA's Dodger Stadium on September 10th. Mm, love it. Okay, next up, Don't Say Gay may be the first uh, domino to fall in a slew of anti-LGBTQ legislation. Uh, but what is the history behind all this? Because it seems like what old what's old is new again. We've got someone joining us to die into that next. 2021 was a record-breaking year for anti-LGBTQ policies introduced in state legislators across the country, and that's according to the advocacy group Human Rights Campaign. And 2022 is unfortunately already on track to surpass this record. Allison Gash joins us right now, Associate Professor of Political Science at the University of Oregon. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, you wrote uh, about this, or you're part of the conversation.com. So, You know, it was included that Indiana, of course, Iowa and Texas have advanced their anti-transgender agendas. And it's based on a longtime strategy by conservatives to rally their base. So we all know this is nothing new. But how is this um, how how has this been historic strategy wise to drum up votes? I mean, it's it's been, you know, as the article talks about it, there's there's sort of a, 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 a basic strategy that conservatives have used, you know, since. Uh, the 1950s and 1960s um, to really uh, rally their conservative base um, by essentially creating stories, creating, um, you know, the, the sort of proverbial boogeyman um, that's coming to take your kids. Uh, and they, they advance this agenda, um, you know, historically in terms of um, blocking school desegregation, in terms of uh, blocking uh, non-discrimination ordinances that would have protected uh, gay and lesbian people uh, back in the 1970s, right? They unearthed it again uh, when we were talking about same-sex marriage and marriage equality, right? The, the big story was, oh, if we have marriage equality, it's going to um, affect all kids in school, and suddenly all these uh, little children in first and second grade will learn about sexuality and mm-hmm. gay people, and they'll all become gay. And now, right, they've dusted it off again, and now they're uh, re- resurfacing it for uh, an anti-trans and anti-gay agenda once again. Right. So it's it's something that's a pretty um, a pretty textbook conservative strategy mm, that's just yeah. um, 
continued to be successful over time. Well, th- with that uh, that history that you just so brilliantly broke down, is there is it a is there a different take on their strategy this go around? Because it yes, there this has been something that conservatives Republicans have always kind of spearheaded in in the in the in the fact of all this anti trans or anti queer legislation, but it mm-hmm. feels different right now, especially when we're talking about children. It feels like this is a different strategy. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, um, you know, the similarities and differences. So, you know, when we're talking about uh, the sorts of things that um, conservatives did in the 1950s and the 1960s around school desegregation, you know, they they essentially um, argued that black children were, um, you know, sexually... um, advanced, right, and that white children going to school with black children would be exposed to a certain form of sexuality that concerned white parents. And so this was a narrative that was definitely exploited um, in terms of uh, anti-school desegregation and anti-busing initiatives. So there certainly has historically been uh, attempts to demonize children in the same way we're seeing now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it doesn't, regardless of whether it's there's some sort of pattern for it historically, it's still awful, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, so, so we're seeing it again, right? We're seeing um, the demonizing of young people uh, once again, but we have, we've seen this before in terms of uh, gay-straight alliances. So when we had um, the sort of uptick in the late 1980s, early 1990s, we had this emergence of uh, GSAs, gay-straight alliances, or uh, gender sexuality alliances, which they're called now, um, and the kids who were, you know, trying to create a safe space for themselves in the context of, you know, pretty discriminatory middle schools and high schools um, were demonized then as well, right? They were turned into vi- villains. They were turned into sexual predators, much the same way that uh, black children were um, under school desegregation. Uh, and you had school administrators and teachers going after those kids, right, mm-hmm. talking about the fact that these kids were, were again, over-sexualized, um, talking about the 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 kinds of effects that that would have on other kids at school. Um, And so this is, you know, an all-too-frequent strategy, but unfortunately a successful strategy. We we still haven't, we still have managed, or or certain segments of the population still have not managed to learn um, that these these strategies are not only harmful, um, but also um, fundamentally untrue. Definitely. And can you also discuss how there's little empirical evidence around any of these attacks or theories? Oh, absolutely. And, and this is something that is, um, you know, in, in a way a little bit different because, um, you know, we, in fact, not only is there not any empirical evidence supporting their claims, but there's ample empirical evidence debunking their claims. So, um, right, so we're not in a situation where we don't really know the answers to the empirical claims that they're making, right, the, the, the claims that they're making that, um, you know, gender-affirming health care is somehow dangerous to um, young young trans kids, right? We know, in fact, that it's not dangerous. We know, in fact, that blocking gender-affirming health care, blocking things like puberty blockers, um, which are the hormones that delay puberty um, so that young people have a chance to really figure out um, whether their assigned gender matches their gender identity, um, that we know that these these sorts of um, therapies are, in fact, are life-saving because yeah. we know that uh, trans kids suffer from severe amounts of depression. We know that um, there's all sorts of health risks that we're talking about when um, young kids who identify as trans don't get the kinds of therapeutic interventions that they need. Um, and yet, right, they're, they're advancing, right, conservatives are advancing a whole host of completely false claims 
um, that these treatments are somehow dangerous, that these treatments uh, cause permanent damage. Um, and they're able to do this because they've actually created, um, they've, they're, they're using two methods, essentially. One is they are taking quotes from um, actual peer-reviewed studies out of context. So there's some great articles mm. that have been written that talk about how the quotes that these different legislators are using to support these bans on puberty blockers or the bans on uh, trans athletes being able to participate on sports teams, that they're completely taken out of context, right? They're, they're totally lifted from studies that have nothing to do with the claims they're trying to make. Yeah, um, wow. And then they've also created um, essentially conservative science, and I'm using air quotes, you can't see that, but I'm using air yeah. quotes, <laughs> science, um, institutes to create, um, re- you know, really problematic, what I call junk science, um, to support their claims. Wow. Crazy um, and unfortunate. It should be, almost be illegal to do stuff like that because it does it, it impact lives and kills because people. because it has yeah. a, an effect on, on people's mm-hmm. lives. That, that was Allison Gash, Associate Professor of Political Science at the University of Oregon. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Coming up next, uh, what's going on, Ryan? Well, we're talking all about trauma dumping and how not to be the annoying friend. Mm. That is coming up next. Talk about trauma dumping because it's a new buzzword on Twitter and even a breakout term online according to Google Trends. It describes, quote, when a person unprompted shares or dumps highly personal, emotionally charged, trauma-based information or a story on someone who is not willing, who is not a willing recipient. And it is also, you know, referred, if you want a simpler title, as oversharing. So uh, this is really interesting, right? Because what we just defined what trauma dumping is, but how do we know if we're doing it? Has this come up in your life where you feel like you have been either a recipient or the person doing the dumping? Oh my God, both, right? (laughs) I've definitely been there. I'm admitting it. Where I, I, it's a safe space. Yeah, right. That's what they always say. <laughs> That's how it happens. Uh, where, yeah, it, I think sometimes I I do it more, I think, now that I've reflected on it, when uh, in nervousness mm. or in spaces that I feel like I'm unsure of where I stand with a dynamic, a relational dynamic. And then I do that almost to create, and a lot of people do this when they overshare, but as a trauma response to create like a false sense of a relationship yeah. to create like a false sense of closeness in order to cr- yes. have validation. Yeah. Yes. To force. I think that's what it is. Right. I think when you can really tell when someone is really longing for connection because they think the way to achieve connection is through just telling everybody your business and thinking that is what it's going to be. And oftentimes that is actually a huge turnoff for so many people. For me, I am someone who naturally wouldn't consider themselves a person who is a trauma dumper. Mm -hmm. I feel like I am someone who is like positioned myself in like friendships as the person who listens. So maybe I listen to the trauma dumper. And then there's also a trauma (laughs) around that where you're always like that person who um, is listening. And that could also though, well, I think it's, it's hopefully, I mean, I know it's out of curiosity and actually people need that. Then we need to have more listeners. Well, it's not even out of curiosity for me. It's just really out there just to be, 
a listening ear for friends who just, I mean, I'm not giving them advice if they don't want it. It's just yeah. to support them in the way where they can vent if they need to. Um, but for me, the reason why I don't really consider myself ever like anywhere near a trauma dumper is because I was always just taught that you don't ever want to put so much of yourself and your information and your privacy out there in a way that could either one, be used against you or then two, you know, could just be put on as like a burden for someone else, right? And I've had to unpack that and relearn a lot of things around that sentiment. Um, But I still think at the core and the base of that is very true. Like, you don't want to just put everything out there for someone to have because not everyone deserves those pieces of you. You have to have some sort of like understanding or discernment to, yeah. to give that to someone because you just don't want to give it to everybody. Yeah, and there's two sides to what you said. And I think it's a balance, right? I think holding back and having your guard up in that way could really uh, make it so you don't get as close with people, right? And it could really... Uh, push you away from possible intimacy, yeah. right? Because you're always being protective. And that's in a way a trauma response too. That, uh, but the other extreme is like, you don't want to fall in either category, I think. Mm-hmm. You you want to find a nice, healthy balance for you where you understand where and why you are sharing. Wait, well, how do you set those boundaries if your relationship's already been so dependent on trauma dumping? How do you now go back to reassess and be like, oh, I need to set new boundaries that yeah, may feel different th- for our relationship? I think you it's that communication, having that conversation. Uh, we've even shared, you know, in, in terms of us, mm-hmm. where we tend to get into things and, and all, all like we would share because we're he- here hanging out in the space and right. saying like, okay, maybe not, let's not talk about it during the show. Mm-hmm. Right. This is just not the time we get to focus. Um, and also asking like, and this is just the process of learning and uh, maturing in a way. Yeah. Um, asking someone, Hey, is this the right time to share this with you? Like I could use a vent right now. I could use some support or feedback with something. Yeah, something. Yeah. Is this the right time though? Yeah. And a lot of times if you weren't, taught those tools you might just think like oh i just like i'll share right well and then i think you have to understand like your your personal relationships are not your therapist well, right? that and i think that's that's important like you can be able to 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 go back and forth with someone like a friend to get their you know their insight and maybe just to so just to kind of have just have it as a sounding board but there are some th- moments where you have to kind of be like well we're all going through something especially oh, yeah. in times like now and what we've experienced these last two years Th- that for me like it, I feel like that really shaped the idea of one wanting to be there for friends but then also making sure that I was feeding myself and not just giving everything away to the person you know that I was receiving from. yeah so there's also two sides to that where there's responsibility from the person sharing yeah. and there's also a responsibility that you have for yourself if you feel like you're getting trauma dumped on you know while you could wait for someone else to set boundaries you also get to set your own boundaries yeah and it'll right? make your life easier you could literally just communicate Hey, I care about you. Um, I want to hear what's going on. This is just not the best time for mm-hmm. me. Can we talk about it another time? Yeah. Right? Or, hey, when you, and we all have that friend uh, where if you know they just go off and it doesn't help you, <laughs> say, hey, I, um, I want to hear you. I have five minutes right now, or yeah. I have 15 minutes and then I'm going to have to go. Right? So setting the, like, those boundaries in terms of time as well. Those are all things that could help. Yeah, and all of those things could make your life easier, like I said. Yeah, and speaking of making your life easier, we're going to get into five things you should automate, okay? Mm. Uh, From emails 
and I don't know, maybe laundry, etc. Our alarm clocks. That too. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that we make more complicated in our lives yep. than we should be. We're here to help next. As we're coming out of the pandemic and just life can be stressful and everything's going by so quickly these days. Just like, it's a lot. Are right? you trauma dumping right now after we uh-huh, just finished talking? I about am, <laughs> but I have some solutions, right? Okay. I'm coming with solutions. <laughs> you might want to think about automating your life. Ooh. Okay. Cause this might help you actually feel less stressed instantly. According to experts. What does that mean? Because it can impact different areas of your life in terms of how what you decide to automate or how you do it. Okay, so here are some things you can do right now. I want to know what you think, Ryan. Okay. Your coffee supply. Okay. Because, you know, these are little things, by the way, that you forget. And then ultimately, it can actually really impact your day when you don't have your coffee available, right? Or you don't have your toiletries. Like, maybe you don't have enough um, toilet paper, And you say, oh, I need to go to the store, this, that, all of that, you know, it increases your to-do list. So they're saying that you can actually, there are companies that can send you coffee, like a subscription plan for your coffee, a subscription plan for your crucial toiletries. Okay. Um, So where companies where you can get tampons and pads. Uh, Also, your, this is a weird one, your umbrella. Here's the thing. You know what you we should be thinking about? Coffee, great, whatever, the umbrella, whatever. But what about what do you how do you feel about automating your bills? Like having them just automatically withdraw? I think that when you don't have a lot of money come in, in that is the most stressful thing ever. It's the most and so you're like, no, I'd rather ever. be two days late. I'd rather be a few days late. It's so, if you, I, I don't if, think I'll ever get comfortable. No matter how much money I do, I have just because it's so nerve wracking. And like, I have a, a financial guy now, and he's like trying to get me to start doing that. And I'm like, if you can, that's just it so is scary. it's worth it because the amount of time it takes to then go through everything. I like going through everything. I yeah. Like, I like having my spreadsheet. It's color-coded. I literally know what I pay. Yellow means it hasn't been paid yet. Green means it's been paid. Switch out the dates. Like, it's like you know, I have a system that I really enjoy doing it myself. And who knows? You just never know if there's going to be one of those moments where, like, Sprint charges me twice on my phone bill True. or something because it's automatic, you know? Well, that's the thing is, like, Look back at your bills, but then putting it on automated automation, it does really help. I must say, like, I'm not thinking as much like or worrying that I uh, paid late or anything like that. And I know you could put it in your calendar and just do it. Yes. There's always those moments where you might have a busy day or night or that time or work thing. And you'll be like, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. True. And then you forget. Well, and then ultimately it's impacting your credit. If you don't do your bills, maybe you should do your savings account, which is one of the t- things that they suggest on the list. Because you like, you automate putting like I $10 do automate my, I do automate like my savings. savings. Sometimes are, it's just better to do that. Yeah. And then it's just coming out and you, and then it kind of just forces you, you like you better make that extra money no matter <laughs> what. <laughs> you better. And just like think about yeah. as if you're making the money. I know that's easier said than done. Right. Um, your to-do list. This is interesting. They're... Um, it's Todoist. That's a, a thing. It's an app that will set recurring weekly and monthly to-dos in a, like your favorite productivity app. So people do this, which I find that as much as you can place your to-do list somewhere and someone could like alert you, okay. in the end, it's still you that needs to do it. Yeah, you so, can get alerts up the wazoo. So what are we learning here? Because I just want to know when we're talking about automation, you're giving up all these great tips from this article. What are you going to do to make sure that you're on time? 
<laughs> on time for work. Just get someone to drive me just... here. Get an assistant to wake me up in the morning. Basically, I need an assistant. Like, just a, a right-hand person. You needed assistant since, like, 1990. <laughs> yeah, since I was two. Yeah, <laughs> We are wrapping up the shows we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yeah. Yes, Queen. One eight-year-old who has alopecia is sharing her story with the world and has now become a model. I just love people that take something that would have otherwise been stigmatized in the past and just create so much from it. So alopecia causes baldness due to a mistaken immune system. And now, because of her speaking out at just such a young age... Uh, she is bringing attention to the autoimmune disorder and has joined several modeling agencies. In a story on New York Post, uh, her mom said that she is confident in her own skin. Niam is her name and is an inspiration to us all. We only speak positively about hair loss. The term suffering with or survivor of are not words we use. Oh, I just love this story, and I love stories like this just because of, I mean, we talked about something like this yesterday where someone, you know, had to choose between their voice and, and their facial features, and I feel like there's so many people in the midst of everything that we think we're going through, people are just surpassing and having finding the courage yeah. to navigate through their own experiences in ways that are so inspiring. Definitely, and there's also um, someone in Congress who has alopecia too, right? I, I don't know that. I, 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 Ayanna Presley. Oh, there you go. A wow. big shout out to Ayanna Presley I as well. That. Oh, I guess I do remember that. I forgot that was such a big story. Yeah, that was really big. Well, this is incredible. I'm, I'm very happy. A big what? Yes, queen. Yes, queen. Mm-hmm. And what a great way to end our show today. That does it for us today. We are back tomorrow. Weekdays here live on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. On tomorrow's show, conversion therapy and police misconduct are two terrible cultural pain points, but they are also costing the country billions of dollars. The Trevor Project and The Washington Post joined us to explain all of that and more. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay and have a beautiful day. Yep. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris where he's talking about psychedelics, what, why, and for who. Ooh. Yeah, that's next. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 